You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. As a church, we've been working through a series called Discipleship 101. And uh, we've been really kind of going back to really what it's all about being a follower of Jesus. We've, we've looked at a number of different things. And really kind of the starting point from kind of when we look at what it means to be a Christian, actually to be a Christian means you have to be a disciple, right? Christian is not just a, a box you tick on on some um, census or because uh, you were christened as a baby or you were dedicated as a child. Actually, to be a disciple of Jesus means you, you're, you're a learner of the teacher, of the master, you're learning to be like him. You're learning to, to be like him in every way, in every capacity. And so when we say, I, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, actually, he calls us to a, a, a very challenging um, walk. It's a walk that actually calls us to a place of complete surrender, where we, we, we give up everything to follow Jesus. There's this amazing thing that God has given us grace given us his love, forgiven all of our sins. He, he accepts us just as we are. But then in response, he says, I want you to follow me. But to follow me, you've got to give up everything that you were doing, everything that you are, and just follow me. Pick up your cross daily and say, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. Now, this is a challenge because we have a will. And uh, as we shared in the past weeks, it'd be very easy if, if Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, suddenly we had a brain zap and we, we, we suddenly just thought differently. And we, we had a will that was just completely conform to the will of Christ. It'd be so much easier. But unfortunately, we have our old nature that has a whole habit, whole lifestyle of, of kind of going the, a different direction. And so daily, we have to bring, remind our old self, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm choosing today to surrender, to give up my own will, to give up who I am and say yes to the will of the Father. To say yes to what Jesus is asking in my life. Say no to me and yes to Him. By surrendering, we become his workmanship, his masterpiece. Christ for, is formed in us. And in this process of surrender, we say yes to the Lord. But the Lord just says, okay, there's things that need to change in your life. Unfortunately, you can't follow me and keep living as you were. You need to, to be disciplined. As a child dis- is disciplined in the family, we, we be a cut part of God's family. And we need to start looking like his family. What his children would do and act like. This is actually what needs to happen in us. And so we looked at a couple of weeks back of this, this whole aspect of throwing off what hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. We have a choice in every moment of our lives to obey the Holy Spirit. And in obeying the Holy Spirit, Christ gives us the power to overcome sin. We don't, we're not victims. When we're in Jesus, actually, he's given us every resource to walk out victory. However, we have to stop doing certain things. We, we can't say I'm following Jesus, but I'll continue a lifestyle that isn't pleasing to him. It doesn't work that way. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you're throwing off those things. You're hurling them off your life because they'll entangle you. They'll stop you. They'll trip you up from fulfilling what God has for you, has intended for you. But we're also disciplined through hardship and challenges the moments that we don't necessarily choose in life. But God uses those moments to soften our hearts and to take away the rough edges that we all have. We, we, we wake up one morning and suddenly our world can change. Things can happen. And you think, God, why? Why is this going on in my life? Why am I being faced with this moment? Do you know what? God uses these moments as refinement in our hearts. 
It's difficult because we don't see what we need. He sees in order for us to become like him, there's things that have to change in us. And he uses the things that we go through to become more like him. And again, any great person, any, any person we see in the Bible that God used mightily, you know, there was a refining time in their lives. You and I, we don't like discipline. In fact, even the passage we read, no one likes discipline at the time. It's difficult, it's painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God wants to train us. Why? Because he knows what's best. As a parent, we know what's best for our children. And if they are allowed to be trained by our discipline, actually, they can become nice. Our children can be nice people. Right? Our children can be, can be kids that people like to be around. Right? There are, well, I won't go too much farther on that. <laughs> we did youth ministry in Brighton for a season and, um, there were children, young people that came that were very, they were, they challenged my love. <laughs> As you can well imagine. Many coming from very difficult home environments, not being disciplined. And as a result, there's, there's an effect to that. Actually, when, when we're disciplined by God, there's something great that is produced in us. We, we take on His, His likeness. Last week, Michaela shared on this holding to Jesus' teaching as a requirement for his, as it being, to be a disciple, we need to hold on to his teaching, to, to obey it, to, to listen to it. Because actually, in holding on to it, in knowing it, th- there's truth in his word. His word is truth. And in that place of truth, we walk into freedom. This is God's intention for his disciples, that we walk and live in a place of freedom. He doesn't intend for us to, to just keep struggling. Because actually, truth has a great way of liberating us. But we have to hold on to the truth. We have to live in a place of saying, you know what? I used to think this way all the time, but actually I'm choosing to grab hold of your truth and I'm going to do, hold on to it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to meditate on it. And in doing so, we walk into a new place of freedom. And so and to recap kind of all of this, as a disciple, we're learning to be like Jesus in his character, in the areas of our heart. So in the surrender and discipline, we're becoming like him in the, the deep aspects of who we are. We're also learning to be like the teacher in his teaching. We're learning to, to walk this new areas of freedom. We're learning to walk out Christianity as he intended it to be. But thirdly, as a disciple, and what we're going to look at today, a disciple does what Jesus, the teacher, did. We, we don't look at Jesus in the Bible and thinking, well, that was Jesus. Ah. And I'm detached from that. Actually, he says, you know what? If you want to follow me, you need to do what I do. We don't look at Jesus and say, well, I'm actually detached from that. I look at the Gospels and I think that's Jesus was amazing. And yes, he he was the savior of the world. But actually, Jesus's life and what he did, he calls us as his disciples to follow him in. Now, this is where it becomes challenging. Well, I mean, all of these weeks have been challenging. But we're going to read in John chapter 14. Verses 12 to 21. John chapter 14, 12 to 21. It says this. I tell you the truth. Who, ha- who tells the truth? Jesus. I tell you the truth. So last week we looked, we need to live in the truth. Hold on to the truth. truth sets, the truth sets us free. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Point. 
If you have faith in me, you'll be doing what I'm doing. But then he raises the stakes even further. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Wait a minute, Jesus. Let's just back this up a bit. It's one thing to do what you did, but to do greater things than you, that seems like, that seems like a impossible. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Interesting, hey, this whole thought. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. In fact, will do greater things. What was Jesus doing? He was bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. He, he, was, he was changing what was the kingdom of darkness, bringing the kingdom of light. He was restoring. He was healing. He was setting free. He was bringing people into a new place of liberty. He was, he was accepting and loving people just as they were and, and embracing them, but calling them to change. He was bringing the good news to all creation. Actually, Jesus was bringing this, this change in the atmosphere in all these different fronts. Jesus was fulfilling the will of the Father in his life. We see in, 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 in scripture that he only did what he saw the Father doing. And, and what was the Father doing? The Father was establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. All of this flowing out of the intimacy he had with the Father. And as his disciples, we're called to the same mandate. You and I, as a disciple, we're called to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's what you and I are called to do as disciples. Even he taught us to pray. What did he teach us in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, then who's, who's doing that? You see, we can pray that prayer and think, okay, God, you do it. Actually, no, we're praying it so that we can do it. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Well, we're praying it for us. That, that's our mission. When we step into our environments, in our world, and the places that we live, in the families and the circumstances, you and I are called with this mission to bring Jesus to them, to do what Jesus did, which is bringing the kingdom of God and all the principles of the kingdom of God into the realm in which we're living. What Jesus did, actually we're called to. As disciples, you and I are to heal the sick. We're to set the captives free. We're to bring the good news of the gospel. We're to move mountains. We're to love the unlovables. You and I are given this great mission. Being a disciple means actually I'm taking on the mission of Christ in my life. I'm not sitting detracted or, or, or separate from what Jesus did as if that was a great story in the Bible I read about. But actually I step into the story. 
Jesus said, you're coming after me. You're going to do the same things I did. If you have faith in me, you will do it. Now, there's a crisis in this whole passage of Scripture is that are we doing it? Are we the disciples doing, living it out? Now, there's a problem I think we all have is that we, we have the mindset. We're born into this world and we have the mindset and we have the conformity of the world. We, we, we're born in it and yet the kingdom of God is something different. And there's a conflict in us that when we see our circumstances, when we see the people around us, it's easy for us to always look at it from the perspective that the world looks at it. We see the obstacles, we see the mountains, we see the challenges, we see the sickness, we see, you know, people being bound or, or, or suffering, and we can just look at it from a logical perspective and, and accept it as it is. That's how it is. Now, when Jesus stepped in situations, he didn't see, obviously he saw what it was, but he saw what the, the Father's will was in it. He saw actually what his intention was at that moment. I believe every day that Jesus walked in this, this earth, every day in his ministry, was laid out before him, and he knew what he was meant to do before it even happened. Because we see that with intention. He would spend time with the Father in the morning. Suddenly he would call the disciples, we're going across the lake, we're going to go here, we're going to do this, we're going to appoint the... There, there was like a mandate, there was something he knew what was going to happen. And when the things happened, he knew what to do. How did, he didn't have just one way he healed people. This is what I find amazing. You read through the Gospels and you think, actually, over and over, Jesus healed people in different ways. How did he know what to do? Why did he sometimes spit on the mud? Why did something he touch? Why did sometimes he just speak and someone got healed? Each time was it. Why did sometimes it, it, was a, it was a process and it didn't just happen immediately? Why is there differences in the Bible? Why didn't Jesus just do the same thing all the time? I believe it's because he was listening to the will of the Father. I believe He said, Jesus, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so there was a sense of when Jesus was living out this walk, when Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God, he was staying in, te- in step with the, with the Spirit. He was staying in step with the Father. Now, this passage that we read gives some directives or some clues, and I think, in how this happens in our lives. In the second part of what we read, in verse 15, it says, If you love me, if you love me, we can want to see great things happen through our lives. But it flows out of a loving relationship with the Lord. You and I can't just put this on. You see, we need to have this closeness with Jesus. We need to have this closeness in relationship. It's in the loving relationship we understand His heart. You see, how, how do I bring the kingdom of God to the situations I'm in right now? If I don't understand the heart of God... What, what do I do? How do I live like Jesus lived if I don't know what to do? I mean, often this question, what is the will of God in these individual situations that you and I face? When you're talking to your neighbor and they're saying something, what is the will of God right now? At that moment, what do you do? How do we look like Jesus in those moments? How do we do what Jesus did? You know what? We can't just put that stuff on. We have to, it has to flow from this deeper relationship we have with Jesus before that even happens. If you love me, if you love me, there's this, there's an aspect that for all of us, our very first pursuit is our love relationship with the Lord. Revelations, in Revelation, we talk, we, we have this letter to the church which talks about the first love. You've forsaken your first love. You know, when we spend time with Him, when we know Him more, when we're listening to His voice, His will comes into focus. 
When we're in a love relationship, you know what the will of the other person is. Don and I have been married 20 years now. And uh, yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? I was five years old. Um, in these 20 years, we've spent time together. We, we've listened to one another. And when I face moments, and we face whatever situations as a family or as a couple, I do know often what her will is. How many men could attest to this? <laughs> Dawn is coming home late. She's out doing something. The kitchen's a mess. Stuff is all over our living room. What is Donna's will at this moment? <laughs> Donna's will at this moment is that I tidy things up so when she comes home, there's a nice clean home to come, come to. Do I need to question that? Do I need to get, you know, do I need to read a book about that? No, I've spent enough time with Donna. I've had enough discussions with Donna that actually I understand her heart that actually when she comes home, there's, there's certain things that she loves to see happen. I don't need to, it's, it's not a mystery. The list on that could go quite long, actually. There's all sorts of things. She likes it when I shut the dresser, the, the, if I shut the drawers completely and not just leave them out a little bit. I don't know if you've ever had those discussions. But do I need to sh sh shut my sock drawer in the mornings? Is that her will? Is that what she wants? You know, in a loving relationship, actually, I know because she's told me that when you get your socks out, shut the door, shut the drawer, just close it. But in the same way, in our loving relationship, she knows my will that when you have some cheese and bread in the evening, you close the packages, you put the cheese away, you put the milk in the fridge, you close it, you put it away. That's my will. It's my will. You don't need to, we don't need to have a discussion because when she's doing it, she knows what is Tyler's will in this loving relationship. Her, his will is that I close the bread and I put the little tab around it again and don't let it dry out overnight so the next person can enjoy this beautiful piece of bread. Right? When you live together and you, you love one another, you actually, you, you understand what the will is of the other. And actually, when it comes to us bringing the kingdom of God to here, to this planet, to the world that we live, how do we bring what we don't know the will is? How do we live out the kingdom if we don't know the author of the kingdom? How, how do we do that? How do, how do I, you know, please the Father if I don't know what the will of the Father is? And so it's, it flows from this, if you love me, if you love me. If, if there's, if there's this, this connection, this intimacy, you're able to start to, to listen to what it is he's, he's saying to us. You see, even Jesus, if we look at John 15, 10, just a few passages, passages over, it says, if you obey my commands, I will remain in, um, you will remain in love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remained in his love. You see, Jesus was in this love relationship with the Father, this eternal love. But because of this, there was a will of the Father that Jesus was living out in this earth. And so when it says he was bringing the kingdom of, of heaven to earth, he was just living out the will of the Father. And for you and I, we can look at the kingdom of God and think, well, that's really big. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Do you know what? We need to just be in love with Jesus. 
We need to have an intimacy with him. And from the place of intimacy, we understand his heart. And from understanding his heart, we understand his voice. And his voice then gives us directives, which is the second part. If you love me, you will obey what I command, what I ask, what I'm saying. If you love me, you will obey. Obey is actually doing it. It's not just believing it or thinking it, but it's actually stepping out and, and walking into it. Again, in this loving relationship that Dawn and I have, if I understand her will, but I choose to ignore her will, I'm not walking in love. If I choose just to do my own thing, yes, she would prefer it or like it if I did certain things. And I think, you know what, but I, I'm doing this. And if she had the same relationship with me where she's just going to do her own thing, you know what, how, how loving is this relationship? We're like sandpaper with one another. You know, with Jesus, he says, you know, I, I give you my, I've come, I've, I've, I've paid the price for you. But as a disciple, if you have faith in me, you're going to do great things, greater things than even I've done. But you need to remain in my love and remaining in my love is, is this intimacy coming close to me, but also then doing what I put in your heart to do. You see, in every circumstance that we face, when we're spending time with the Lord, I firmly believe he will reveal what the kingdom is in that situation. How do you face that complex thing that you're going through? Do you know what? I guarantee Jesus has the answer. I guarantee that he has something he, he's wanting to share, something he's wanting to speak. But it's you and I, it's, it's the need to, to, to listen, but then to obey. Jesus set this example of remaining in the Father's love, but obeying what the Father was revealing. The result was the kingdom of God came to earth. People were delivered. People were healed. People were restored because Jesus did what the Father was asking him to do. Even Jesus, there was moments of conflict. Even in Gethsemane, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. There was, there was this conflict. But Jesus says, you know what? This is the same for you. In order for my kingdom to be established in your, in your life and circumstances, there's a conflict that you have to give way to my will. You have to obey, be obedient to what I'm saying. I can only do what Jesus did and bring the kingdom of God to every situation if I'm in a loving relationship with the Lord and he reveals what I'm to do. Then I have to step out and do it. You know, even as we look through the book of Acts, we see examples uh, where there were mindsets, there were thought processes that were not necessarily kingdom. Peter is a good example. A Jew had a certain thought process about Gentiles. And Jesus revealed to him this through a vision. Through his spending time with Jesus, a vision came of a sheet with all these unclean animals. And the voices get up and eat. Surely not, Lord. This is unclean. It's untouchable. Now, God was giving directives in this of actually there was a change. He, he was wanting something. He was wanting his kingdom to be established. But Peter needed to change. He needed to adopt what it is that, that, that Jesus was saying, what the teacher was saying. That led to him, him accepting it and obeying it led to him actually going to the house of Cornelius, going to the Gentiles home and sharing the gospel, sharing the, the plan of salvation and people getting filled with the Spirit and baptized and, and, and revival breaking out. But it only came because he was close to the Father, he was close to the Lord. 
the Lord revealed what he was to do, and then he did it. For you and I, when we get close to the Lord and we're listening to his heart, he begins to speak to us. I do believe it. God speaks to He wants to speak and he wants to reveal what his kingdom is in your circumstance. But then when he does speak, no matter how challenging that thought process, the next step for us is really important is obeying. Again, Peter, he, he had a conflict. What would people think? This goes against my culture. That goes against everything I've been taught. How do I, how do I reconcile this? But then we see in the story, he, he said, this must be God. I'll do it. I'll obey. Often I think we, we live less. We, we don't see Jesus. We don't see things happening through our lives as Jesus did. Because in those moments when Jesus speaks to us, we're not often willing to just go out and do it. Obedience is challenging because it requires this, this where it all started, faith. Because when Jesus speaks, he calls us always into the realm where we're not comfortable. Where it challenges our mindsets, it challenges what we think possible. You see, faith is this realm of trusting and believing that God will do what he said he'll do. Taking him at his word. Every time Jesus speaks, it requires faith for us to obey. I don't know if you found this to be true, but I have it in my life. When Jesus speaks, go talk to that person, go pray for that person. Share that word that I've just put in your heart. But what if it's not you, God? What if nothing happens? Who am I? What will they think if I do that? You see, it requires faith at that moment to action the word. Jesus didn't really care what people thought of him, did he? He just, he just did it. He offended a lot of people. In fact, if he was to take a course on how to win people over, he would have failed. Because he did things that he saw the Father doing, which was often contrary to what culture or, or even the status quo was. He, he stepped past those things. And for you and I, there's a realm that we live in and, and Jesus speaks something. But when he speaks, it always calls us to a place of faith. And that's why even Jesus starts off saying, if you have faith in me, you'll do what I've been doing. You'll actually, you'll do greater things. But faith requires trust and trust is a difficult thing. Obeying Jesus's command is, is challenging because he leads us into a place that we can't do it in our own strength. How can I love? How can I restore? How can I heal? How can I provide? How can I set free? How can I deliver? How can I do any of those things, Jesus? What you're asking of me is impossible. Yes, it is. It was impossible for Jesus, and it's impossible for us. But that's where faith comes in. Faith moves the mountains. How can I bring kingdom of God to earth? We need these things. We need a loving relationship with Jesus, knowing him more. Out of this intimacy, God speaks. But then he calls us to step out in faith. The greatest part about this story is that Jesus didn't leave us alone to try to figure this out on our own. But he gave us his Holy Spirit, the counselor, another counselor, to come alongside us and to teach us, to strengthen us, to empower us, to do it. He has given us everything we need to be just like Jesus. We have no resource less than what Jesus already had. 
But what we do has, we do have is a finished work of Jesus. We have power over sin and death. You see, Jesus says you'll do even greater. Jesus was speaking in the future saying, actually, I'm paying a price. I'm about to pay a price that when the price is paid, there'll be nothing that can stand against you because I'm taking back the power of the enemy. And so you'll be able to do even greater things because I'm taking back all authority. And you will be sitting in a position of authority. And so your life, I will be the, I will be the, the, the floor in which you can jump off of. I will be the, 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 the ground in which you can stand. So you can go further than I've even went because I'm about to do something that's going to release you to do that. But for you and I, we're called then to go into it, to, to press in. And the Holy Spirit's been given to empower us to do it. As his disciples, we're called to do even greater things than Jesus through the outworking of the Holy Spirit in us. This is for all disciples and not just for a few. In Matthew 6, 17, sorry, Matthew, uh, Mark 16, 17 and 18 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll drive out demons. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison and it will not harm them. They will place their hands on the sick people, on sick people, and they will get well. Can I just say, when we look at discipleship, you and I are called to do this. Am I a disciple? Then am I walking, am I doing what Jesus did? When I, when I was preparing this, I just thought, God, I, I certainly feel more like a student right now. Thinking I've got a long ways to learn to become like you. To be like you. God, I want this to happen in my life. But I know there's some steps I need to keep growing in in order for it to happen. Sick people can get well today. Do you know that? I believe in healing. I believe in deliverance. I believe in all those things. And you and I are to walk in it. I, I asked Graham. He shared something with me just before the service. I asked him to come. And, would you mind sharing at this moment? I, I, I want to build faith in us. Graham, an everyday hero. Walking with Jesus. How do I follow that? We, we were called quite a few years ago to set the healing rooms up and God has blessed us with a team of people. They're ordinary Christians, they come from local churches and a guy comes up from Brighton as well, um, from the Anglican church, from the Baptist church, but all these people are intentional that they're really going after the sick. And I'm not saying they all started the healing rooms believing that, but now they do. And every time we come together we spend an hour worshipping God. Uh, Margaret is our wonderful receptionist. And we set up a waiting room out there. It's a bit like a doctor's surgery. And you never quite know what's going to come through those doors. And months ago, two ladies turned up. They'd come in from out of town. And I said, well, where have you come from? I won't name where they'd come from. But we've come here because a friend came here and she was healed. Now, we never knew she was healed. But they'd come because their friend was healed. And both of them had come because both their daughters were unwell. Both daughters lived out of town. Um, they had really serious conditions that were affecting their health. Um, they, they'd been standing in faith for their daughters, but they, they'd heard about the healing rooms and they'd, they'd driven into the area. And um, we split into two teams, as we always do. And I remember playing, praying for one lady, and her, her daughter had got some eye condition. Um, that She was going blind. She was in her late 20s. She was going blind, um, seeing a consultant. And they desperately wanted to start a family. She had just got um, married. And the doctor said, there's no way you should get pregnant because that's just going to terminate your eyesight, basically. And she said, look, they're desperate. 
her health is gone, her eyesight is gone. And I think the other team were praying for somebody that was even more serious. Um, so we joined with this lady, we did all that the Bible says, we spoke words of faith, we anointed with oil, we had words for her. I think the other team anointed handkerchiefs. And they said it was a fantastic time, and they left. And you think, okay, end of story. And I got a phone call Friday night, and um, the lady that I'd prayed for said, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, vaguely. She said, well, my daughter dreads going to the specialist, because every time she goes every six months, he says it's got worse, you need more treatment, etc., etc." And the consultant turned around and said, actually, um, things are pretty good. Uh, you don't need any more treatment at the moment, and you're absolutely free to start a family if you want to. But she'd taken the trouble to phone me, so I was able to share that with the team, which was a real encouragement. Yeah. I want us to just capture this thought. You can do this. You can do what Jesus did. God has given every, every provision for you to walk in Jesus' footsteps, to be just like him. But we have to change a mindset to become like Jesus. We have people around us who need to be healed, and you're there to pray for healing. We have people around us that need to be set free, and we're there to deliver them. We've got people around us that are, are broken and hurting, and we're there to bring restoration. You and I are empowered to do this. You and I have been given everything we need for this to be accomplished. The call for us today is to be his disciples, to do what Jesus did. This is a challenging word, but and I pray that we, we don't just listen to it, but I pray faith would rise and something would be in our heart saying, bring it on, God. I want to do this. But to do this requires us to, to first start from this loving relationship, listening to when he speaks, and then be obedient and step out in faith to see it happen. I guarantee those people that come on healing rooms and pray for people, you know, there's many times there's doubt. There's many times that there's wondering, is anything going to happen? Does anything even happen ever? And yet, the miracles come. Why is this person, why does this, this young lady get healed? It's because some people chose to be like Jesus. Chose to do what Jesus did. Do you know what? You guys, and me included, we can do this. I want you to stand with me, please. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news, or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.